0: It's just a happy medium, and I find a lot of people are telling me they're watching the stream at night, so maybe it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter, so I don't know, tell me what you think, but regardless, I want to welcome you all to the Freedom Coffee livestream where we celebrate the freedoms that we have, the freedoms that we've regained as a result of the Freedom Convoy, so big uh, applause to all of us. Who stuck together and uh, we're also we celebrate the feud we sorry we work out ideas on how to expand those freedoms in the future and how do we do that simple we just get together and have coffee so everybody gather around this is the time for us to all come together and be supportive of one another and you also can't change the world and make it more positive if you're always trapped in a state of permanent anxiety, which is why part of this mission is to get us all focused on positivity and love. Remember those those pillars of the Freedom Convoy, peace, love, unity, and freedom. And that's what we're gonna build out from, and we're doing that here. So despite the little bit of you know wranglings, the political people are always gonna keep doing whatever they're doing, that's why they're political people. But uh, we're not gonna allow that noise to affect our emotional state we'll address it and we'll laugh at it and we'll make fun of it a little bit but uh that's it a uh, good morning i'm here for a few minutes before i need to go to a wedding well congratulations avril oh is it your wedding or someone else's wedding <laughs> i'm just teasing but uh avril it's good to have you here you're gonna miss the most epic live stream of your life well at least of today i don't know or at least of this morning but after 11 o'clock i'm gonna do my best but um there's a bunch of uh, stuff to talk about and uh yesterday i posted uh, yesterday on uh twitter uh sorry twitter x x twitter x whatever we're supposed to call it now Uh, i posted a picture from down in the midwest where i was yesterday at the, um, I guess it's the Victoria Secret pink compound, and I posted a couple of pictures there because I was there. I had an hour and a half to kill, and I was dying for coffee. And I didn't sleep much the night before in the truck because they didn't finish off loading me until three in the morning. So I was looking for coffee within you know walking distance because I was in the middle of my reset. Couldn't the only thing I found was a Starbucks, and that Starbucks apparently. Isn't a Starbucks? It's a Starbucks inside the pink, flash victoria Secret headquarters. So here I am walking around. I think, okay, well maybe I didn't realize what the office was. Uh, it's five. I guess it's five big warehouse, uh, black warehouses that that are all of pink. I don't know. And uh, it took me to their their head office, and you couldn't go in. The Starbucks is just for employees. It's one of those what they call campuses because everybody's a child now and uh but it was it was wild it was very what you would expect from like a tech company it had uh, has its own lake uh in on the property and this beautiful patio that you would expect from like i don't know like a marina golf course like something really high end overlooking the lake and everything was diversity of course and actually i shouldn't say that it wasn't quite that bad But what was really wild is there was no people. It was dystopian. It felt like uh, Black Mirror, and those are the pictures I took. But anyways, uh, second thing is big announcement coming August 14th, and I will let all of you know here, and that might be an opportunity for some of us uh, to get together in person, depending where you are in North America. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, but, anyways, Cheryl, did you buy me anything? No. If you told me what you wanted, then perhaps I would have uh, I, I would have indulged in some way. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, you realize I'm sitting there and I'm thinking. You start thinking and crunching the numbers, like how big is that industry? The industry of underwear, panties, lingerie, whatever you want to call it. And I know some people were in that business in South America, and it's huge. It, it's a really big big market i don't know how many billions of dollars it's worth but at the same time you start to think like how is this business sustainable how i mean are all these large corporations so heavily leveraged Anyways, i don't know so announcement coming august uh august 14th so we'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh good oh, everybody's here wow good morning to all of you okay I want to t- throw out some. There's so much to talk about. The news is amazing. Uh, there's so many things going on. Uh, for those of you who watched War Campaign yesterday, uh, Jesse, I know you watched it. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was entertaining, to say the least, to say the least. And uh, I do feel a sense of vindication. Oops, oops. There, there goes the audio uh, track. I do. Uh, sorry to everybody in audio. I do get this sense of vindication because people are are finally realizing what the truth is and what transpired. Uh, you know, somebody asked me, "Why don't I go on all these different podcasts and state your case and all that sort of stuff?" And part of me is like, firstly, I want to get beyond the negativity uh, as much as possible. Yeah, we'll talk about it here a little bit, but try to do it in jest, sort of thing. Uh, but the other thing is. I don't need to. The uh, people will figure it out over time on their own. They will. All they need to know is that there's people pointing out to say, hey, you know, it's like the Leslie Nielsen meme where they're all doing nothing to see here and I'm pointing to the fire or CNN. They do the same thing as CNN. Oh, mostly peaceful riots with a fire burning behind them. I'm the guy saying, hey, why don't we all look at the fire? And like, oh no, there's nothing to see here. So it was, uh, it was really good. Uh, Rocky loves opening music and he dances. Oh, okay. Well, that's a you know, it's a debate that I have going on with the guys in Toxic Happy Hour: new music versus old music. And my argument is there's always good music coming out, whether it's new or old, and that music is from a band that came up on my Spotify called. Uh, Night Traveler, and I have I have yet to find a bad track on that album. So, uh, I hope Rocky likes it. Rocky for Prime Minister. We're going to get to that in a second because apparently Canada is about to have an election. So we'll get to. I know you want to talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about that in uh, in a little bit. First thing, I want to breach this uh, approach this, this concept with you. This concept or this idea of the what is a designated liar. Now think about that, a designated liar. With a designated liar, that is the person who will come out, sometimes they're media, sometimes they're politics, sometimes they're activists. The designated liar is the person who will say anything, no matter what, it just they'll say anything. and And most of what comes out of their mouth is a lie. It's anytime they talk, you know they're lying. We've seen many, many uh, designated liars throughout media. I mean, it's an epidemic of <laughs> designated liars at so much at, at this point. Uh, war campaign, the comic book group. Yes, they uh, they've also been covering the uh, the freedom convoy and everything going up uh, on in Canada. In addition to. Uh, their love of... I'm not a comic book person. My brother was a big-time comic book person, so I kind of understand their space a little bit, and I think he still has something like 15,000 comics from the early 80s up until the mid-90s that are all, you know, read once, pressed, and put in a little bag with a, you know, uh, cardboard backing and stuff, so some really uh, interesting stuff there, but anyways, okay. So the designated liar—that's the person who will come up, come out, and say something. And anytime they open their mouth, it's a complete lie, or at least mostly a lie. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. Uh, one example that you would all know—I don't really know her. I've only seen her once or twice, but you know, I know from people who watch them. If you're watching on the National Telegraph, Daniel Boardman has talked about this person, Rosemary Barton from the CBC. She's she's a perfect example of a designated liar. Whatever comes out of her mouth, you know it's a lie. Uh, in CTV that I dealt with during the convoy, this is the reason I banned him from the uh, Freedom Convoy press conferences, that's uh, Punchy McGregor, who is now, oh wait, he was fired from CTV. Oh, boo-hoo. Uh, and we did a breakdown on this channel where we watched his fake documentary about the Freedom Convoy. Remember all the spooky music and the spooky transitions and you go to black and white and all that sort of stuff. So Punchy McGregor, uh, whatever his first name is, Greg, something like that, uh, he's an example of a designated liar. On the political stage, you'll see people like, um, uh, he used to be in the liberal party, Ralph Goodale, I think it is. Uh, or, um, uh, what's his name? You know, Trudeau's former guy, uh, his former chief of staff. He's still tel- Katie Telford's brain. What's his name? Uh, the guy who looks like uh, Eric Clapton but doesn't have talent. What's his What's his name? Uh, God, I can't remember. Uh, I can't believe he's slipping my mind. I, I was taunting him during the, the convoy. But anyways the um the guy who is trudeau's brain he's uh put in the chat if you can remember his name you know uh the former chief of staff for trudeau uh, he's an example of butts that's right uh jerry butts jerry butts is an example of a de- designated liar on the political on a, the political stage and but there uh, there are uh, designated liars all over now uh, we saw this during the um During the Freedom Convoy, the the group that I referred to as the Political Convoy, uh, formerly Big Con Canada Inc., I think you now have seen how that that evolves and how it all lines up. Uh, But the Political Convoy and the Conservatives also have designated liars. So what's an example of somebody on the other side who's a designated liar? So uh, Hurt Locker Tom, or whatever, but Hurt Locker Tom, I always forget the Butt Locker Tom. Uh, Butt Hurt Locker Tom is an example of a designated liar, right? His job is to roll out, they roll him out uh, with a talking point that he doesn't know how to rebut against because he's just told to go out and lie. And yeah, not explicitly, but what he's given is a lie. And nothing that comes out of his mouth is true. I personally thought during the combo, I thought he was mentally ill because he clearly was a compulsive liar in some way, shape or form, maybe he had some trauma in his life, I'm not sure, uh, and it started from the very first encounter, face to face, when he just showed up, and I'm trying to f- trying to understand what his role is, why he's there, and he tells me, as I outlined in my book, in this book, Hawking for Freedom, HawkingforFreedom.com, now in Apple Books, uh, when he said, oh, uh, I- I'm going to be a ghost, nobody will know I was here. Uh, I'm going to be invisible. I'm going to take care of the trucks, trucks that were already parked and didn't need need, need taking care of. So I didn't understand that, but now we all know what they were doing behind our backs. But he's an example of a designated liar. He tells, he tells me uh, that's allergies, by the way. <laughs> there's something going around that anytime somebody t- touches their nose, there's an issue. I don't know. Uh, I, I I have allergies. The uh, so, anyways, he. Uh, Hurt Locker, Tom. When he said to me, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be a ghost and uh, invisible, and I was no no one will ever know I was ever here." And then the next morning, less than twelve hours, he's doing a press conferences, a press conference. So, a designated liar. Everything he said since designated liar. He tells people, you publicly that you know he was in control, he was in charge, of logistics or whatever the crap he makes up. And then he says on the record of the poec oh i had i had a small involvement i was barely involved in the convoy uh he has three different origin stories of why he showed up somebody called him uh two different people he said he called him it's and he used two different names on andrew lawton's show so i don't know why andrew lawton didn't push back i think i know why and then he also said that uh oh i was just inspired by trucks on the road so not quite getting his story straight so Uh, That is an example of a designated liar. And um, somebody was asking me, I was talking to them about this, they said, is Keith Wilson a designated liar? And my argument is yes, no, and sort of. Probably no. Because sometimes he tells the truth. He's very calculating. He's a very very uh, smooth political activist. Now, much of what he says... Is not true. Like in the POEC, as for those of you who saw me posting that segment from Rebel News, outlined that when he had parliamentary protection and he could say whatever he wanted, then he was lying through his teeth, right? But uh, anyways, that's, but but he often he doesn't always he doesn't always, and that's also why he has to man uh, Chris Barber and Butthurtlocker Tom's Twitter accounts. Because those people, the, the two are just—they're just not very bright, and they're all over the place all the time. So once in a while, and you can tell the nature of the tweets change. You have um, you know f bombs and calling people names in one minute, and then you have a lawyered response that's very careful in its language. Well, that's when Keith Wilson is running it, right? Much like—at uh, least that's my speculation—because Keith Wilson apparently was running also. The Facebook page that Tamara told me she was running during the Freedom Convoy, but I guess I know she was being pulled in 20 different directions, but whatever, I'm sure more is going to come out about that. Um, Okay, so, uh, but here's the problem when you have a designated liar and they're not smart, they're not intelligent, and they forget their stories and they're very narcissistic and they need to always run to get attention that's when they run into trouble right because they don't know how to dial it back often in communications what's really important communications business it's not what you say it's what you don't say that's sometimes more important right and uh anyways it is what's. uh you know what jesse you're one step ahead of me <laughs> we're getting there okay so um there is a long list of designate designated liars that latched on to the Freedom Convoy. Uh, Maybe we should work through that list at some point. I'm sure some of you have your own um, speculation on who those designated liars, but you can see it, you can see it, right? You you can almost smell it, you can taste it, that there's, there's people that come out and you know what they're saying is not true. You can just taste it but you don't know what the actual truth is, right? But you can just see something is not right. And that's been the whole the problem with political convoy this entire time as they've been trying to, re, to retroactively rewrite history, right? Anyways, um, now some of you who are new to this, who are maybe not watching now or watching in the future, whatever, uh, many of you would slip into what Scott Adams has coined this and this comes from the area field of study of psychology down to Cialdini and Erickson and a bunch of different people's ideas. But the way he's articulated this is so perfect, so perfect, that um, that this describes those of you who might get angry uh, or upset at hearing this. Maybe you're, hear- maybe you're likely hearing it for the first time. Uh, it's because you're suffering One of the seven signs of cognitive dissonance, or you're suffering cognitive dissonance, and then your response would be one of the seven signs of cognitive dissonance, which we've talked about here before. And you'll notice that when you try to bring up uh, what has actually been transpiring behind the scenes around uh, the Freedom Convoy, that political convoy has gone and raised $5 million in addition, not the escrow money, an additional $5 million to defend us truckers, none of us have seen a penny, and that money's just poof, gone, gone. So now they need another three, $400,000. Uh, that's only going for one person's defense for some reason, or two people's defense, while the rest of us have been abandoned, right? And so when you try to tell that to people, they're gonna respond, initially, and to one of the seven signs of cognitive dissonance, and you'll see it. Try it. Ask people. Tell people who are completely unaware what's going on. Be nice and whatever, and bring it up, and they'll do one of the seven. One of these seven things, which is, they'll change the topic, uh, or they'll throw an ad hominem attack at you. They'll say, "Oh, you're just lying because blah blah." blah. Uh, mind reading, which is close to that, they'll project and they'll tell you why you're saying what you're saying. Uh, They'll be not knowing what you're thinking or feeling. Uh, They'll use word salad to try to make an excuse and step around it because they don't want conflict. Uh, You see a lot of that from uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, Keith Wilson uses this all the time whenever he's trapped. He uses word salad uh, to try to confuse people, uh, to get get us uh, subconsciously. To forget the earlier so I guess we'll do another one everybody on auto audio you might have two tracks now for this episode <laughs> anyways uh, so an analogy instead of the reason so it's not they give you a reason and then they say for example no they just jump into the for example because they can't articulate the argument uh, that is um, that's number five number six is it's too complicated oh you you know what you just don't understand politics. You don't know these people. It's too complicated for you to understand. And then the last one, famously, you can remember this from Kathy Newman with Jordan Peterson. The so you're saying straw man built a straw man around. Oh, so you're saying you're saying that these people were deceptive. No, that can't be. So you're saying that X Y Z. That's the um, that's the seventh sign of cognitive dissonance. But look at look out for it. And I'm telling you, practice this. Ask people who are like strident, uh, bought into the freedom convoy, sorry, the political convoy narrative, which is false. Bring up everything that war campaign uh, or Diverge Media, who really did a lot of deep dives into them, send them the Diverge Media article where it says, was the freedom convoy compromised? And ask them, I'm, I'm not. I'm not arguing with you, I'm just... Challenge I just want to ask you what do you think of it and there either there 's a few people about fifteen percent of people who keep their minds open that will be oh i didn 't realize that, oh this is concerning, but most people will slip into the seven signs of cognitive dissonance, but give it a try it 's really um, it 's really quite funny, um, but anyways, so this whole uh, fake narrative there has been. Uh, there's been these people, the re- well, let me put it this way, the reason they're going to suffer the seven signs of cognitive dissonance is because those people are trapped in an echo chamber, just like people on the left. So they've invested the political convoy, not freedom convoy, political convoy, political ties, we explained all of this, has invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into constructing this artificial echo chamber and this narrative to ensure those people who suffer the seven seven signs of cognitive dissonance buy into a narrative emotionally and won't listen to the opposing argument or what I describe as the actual facts. Isn't that exactly what they did? around the Cervasus sickness. Think about the tactics that the media and the political class used around the jab. Political convoys doing the exact same thing. They're trying to poison people and get them to buy into, bait them into a narrative that becomes self-sustaining, right? Because it's based on social proof. Well, everybody's saying this. Well, everybody everybody knows this is what happened. It was one person that put together the con... It wasn't co-opted. No. no, Nobody is saying that. You'll hear that often. Nobody is saying that, right? Because they've invested all of this. Is that where the $5 million went? I don't know. Was that to construct this echo chamber? But you know what the good part is? The truth is free. It's really... It's one of those things in life that's free if you look for it, or if you're patient enough. And so much in our lives right now, we're always rushing to have you know, uh, instant gratification and a solution right away, and that's just not the reality of life, right? Well, <laughs> the truth is free. Just got to wait for it. What was that sudden... Uh, um, there's a quote I'm thinking about. Uh, if you wait by the river long enough, uh, you will wa- you will see the bodies of your enemies float by. It's a good way of articulating it. All right. Next. Um, everything's okay? All right. Sorry, I had so many technical problems before we started. And um, Cheryl says they believe their own lies. Yes, that's common for all of us too, right? We, we get involved in something that's a lie. Then there's, well, we, we try not to. But people buy into a lie, and then they get surrounded by people who perpetuate this lie over and over again. And then the next thing you know, it just becomes this, um, this negative feedback loop where if you don't buy into the lie, then you're an outcast. That's how politics works, by the way. That's why politics is very tribal. Uh, allergies, nothing more. I don't know why people are... What's going on with the nose thing? I see it all the time. It's like one of those viral things. Somebody touches their nose, and then all of a sudden, anybody who touches their nose is doing something wrong. I think I'm going to go out of my way to intentionally touch my nose now. Okay, so uh, yesterday, and this related to what we are talking to, talking about designated liars and war campaign yesterday, what's another example of a designated liar And i wouldn't say on the conservative side because these people are all leftists okay a good example of a designated liar is fed mckenzie which uh, i think jesse you brought it up or cheryl you brought it up uh, before in the chat fed mckenzie is a good example of a designated liar right he went on his stream during convoy during the freedom convoy you know these you know, uh, strident supporters of freedom, these freedom fighters, went on his stream during the convoy to tell as many people who would listen that uh, Tamara stole money, that BJ isn't even a trucker, and whatever other bullshit he did. I saw some of the stuff that he had sent. Uh, somebody had sent a few of his things, and I watched like 30 seconds, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, well, he's a Fed. What do you expect, right? Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for you, Ben. I love the truth. Much respect, always, Cheryl. I love you too, and all of you who've been so kind. I really can't thank you enough. Uh, anyways, so he so during the freedom convoy, you know, we're we're in the process of we're trying to unify everybody around peace, love, unity, and freedom. We have Fed McKenzie uh, calling us names and sowing distru- as much distrust and uncertainty as possible. We had uh, Keith Wilson. Did his stupid video, which which told everybody to come down, which now he says he didn't tell people to come down. Uh, but where he told people to come down and said, your your freedoms are being eroded. Justin Trudeau's destroying the country. That's why I tore him an ass. So I'm like, hey, 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 that's not peace, love, unity, and freedom, you dumbass. Like, mood and behavior. That's what the police are watching. <laughs> like, <laughs> So you had people sabotaging on multiple ends. But let's focus on Fed McKenzie. So he's a designated liar who gets involved in movements to put heat on them, right? Uh, put, he gets involved in movements that I guess the political establishment just doesn't like. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future because believe me, there's a lot more. But it, by the way, speaking of uh, <laughs> wannabe neo-Nazis, that had nothing to do with Convoy because that's what he is he's, he's a wannabe he's, he's too weak to even be one um, does anybody know that the book I'm sure you've heard about this book before it's called The Elders of Zion do you know that's communist propaganda right? does everybody know that? I think, I think like there's a lot of people who don't know that that that's communist propaganda that's where it comes from Um, And another example of why Fed McKenzie is a leftist. I explained this many months back, the only other time I really talked about him, because these are racial identitarians, right? Uh, They think they're right-wing because they have an in-group preference. No, that doesn't mean you're a right-wing. That means you're a leftist with an in-group preference. So these wannabe, diagonal, wannabe, whatever they are, I don't want to attribute too many labels to them because some people get sucked into this nonsense. But the, racial, the, the extreme ones, like Fed McKenzie, he's a racial, or at least he's playing the part of a racial identitarian. That has more in, in common with Black Lives Matter. That's not conservative. There's nothing to do with conservatism. That's groupthink. That's, those are people who want legislation based on race. That's what Black Lives Matter wants. That's what these <laughs> idiots want, right? And then these two, these uh, these two dum-dums. Because I'm going to include the other designated liar, but Hurt Locker Tom, but Hurt Locker Tom, and Fed McKenzie are both in an organization together called Veterans for Freedom. Really weird, isn't it? And. I don't know why anybody would wear a shirt or a baseball cap of left-wing identitarians or playing the part of left-wing identitarians, feds, who came in to the Freedom Convoy to become the useful idiot for the government and the legacy media to try to paint the most peaceful protest in Canadian history with bouncy castles, barbecues, and all communities, particularly the Sikh community, as white supremacists. Why would anybody wear a shirt or a a baseball cap that aligns themselves with that? What's going on? And then what's crazy, what happened this week as well, is Viva Fry went on Tim Pool to promote these people, right? It, what's going on? So anyways, uh, if you want to know more about Fed McKenzie, the designated lawyer, uh, I suggest you watch war campaign from, I guess it was, sometimes the g- days get blurry when you're in the truck. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday morning I was watching it when I was... Um, I was at, I had a bunch of back halls. When I was at one of the back halls, I was watching it. And it was, uh, listen, I don't know if War Campaign likes me. I don't really care. What I care is the facts and that people are starting to learn the truth on their own accord. I don't need to be liked. I got enough friends. It's fine. I have enough people in my life who love me. I'm good. What I'm concerned with is that all of you aren't, um, uh, that all of you know the truth and aren't taken advantage of for more money, right? Because there are truckers who actually are in need and they're not getting a penny. So what's funny, how all the people tied to the political establishment seem to be taken care of for whatever reason. Oh, and the topic of, this is interesting, um, this is important. That's, uh, speaking of Fed McKenzie and his nonsense uh, and his group's little nonsense and all that sort of stuff. Uh, And by the way, uh, you know, I used to be friends with somebody around him, uh, and then he just showed up out of nowhere. I've never met him. But, uh, and you know, I I watched in real time as people who are just, I thought rational, normal people got radicalized by him, which is another tactic of people who are feds. They know how to go into groups, radicalize them, and they get them into trouble, right? Uh, But anyways, the point is, does everybody know... I was surprised to learn this too when I was uh, producing the podcasts, or uh, well, still a couple of them, but different ones. Does anybody, does everybody know why anti-Semitism is an issue? It's it's really interesting from a government perspective why it's issue, why it's uh, important. I didn't know this until um, several years ago. Somebody explained it to me. You know, once you get involved in politics, you get to know different people and in different walks of life. And you get, it's really interesting because there are good people around and they teach you a lot. And I had some people teach me a lot. Well, the reason antisemitism is an, an issue, not because, you know, the group, uh, one group of people, a cabal controls everything. It has nothing to do with that. It's because it's a bellwether for extremism in a society. That's all it is. It's just an indicator for law enforcement, for policy advisors, um, for intelligence, I guess you'd say. It's a bellwether indicator that they use to see how healthy or unhealthy a society is. Because they figure, this is at least the thesis behind it, if there's a group of people that are tend to be hardworking, moderately successful, and uh, Scott Adams did an amazing explanation of this. Um, Just because in this particular group, there was so much pressure on us to do well in school. Like, you have no idea. Like, my schools, my school that I went to, which we had a lot of my community there, if you were the class clown, you were the loser. You were successful if you did well in school. You were popular. You're popular. And I, you know, I remember watching Welcome Back Carter and seeing, you know, the class clown was popular and all these sitcoms. I remember being as a kid, like, what the hell? That's not real life. <laughs> in school, the popular kids are the ones who do best in school. And then I met some friends from other schools and realized, oh, wait, it's different. Remember, I went to a Catholic school for for night school. It was the same way. The class clown was popular. But, you know, culturally, amongst the people who are concerned about anti-Semitism, Uh, You were popular based on your success and how hard you worked and how hard your grades were. So as Scott Adams says, just go to fucking school. (laughs) That's how he put it. But anyways, so that's why it's a bellwether for extremism because they figure there's a a group of people who are an extreme minority and shouldn't have any sort of, you know, angst to them, uh, notwithstanding, we apologize for saying Bankman Fried and a couple of other shysters. We don't like them either. But just in general, just a regular community that tries to contrib- contribute. But when the intelligence communities and the government sees that there is an increase in distrust and targeting of one group, because people like a simple, a simple version of life, they want somebody to blame and to go after they see that as a bellwether for extremism, and they need to start monitoring more what's going on in the communities. That's all. It's not a conspiracy. It's not anybody. Just, it's a bellwether for them. Much like paper crossing into the border on the, um, uh, not, not commercial, industrial-grade paper crossing the border, loads going across the border, is a bellwether indicator for where the, economic, the economy is going. It's the same thing. That's all. Um Cheryl my husband was a the class clown however he truly smart and uh, uh has a great job. Yeah, no, I, look I get that. I get that. But uh, I'll put po- you know what? Cheryl, I'll post the um the Scott Adams thing and uh at some point it's really good. It's really really good because at the end of the day, uh we're all just Canadian. I'm just Canadian. That that's it. I am Canadian first like anybody else uh in this stream in this um And all of this stuff so um but anyways the activists are you know the these subverters these feds whatever the activists uh sorry the activists themselves uh or these ngos that we're worrying about or open societies all the groups that they fund they try to play on this to try to trigger instability in society as well as foreign entities do this as well, because they understand uh, this bellwether indicator, and there's a number of them, a number of bellwethers, but this is the primary, just because the group is so small. So the activist NGOs try to cause chaos here by triggering this instability, and there are useful idiots who are involved in it, like Fed McKenzie. So, and there's that uh, Latino kid in the United States, I can't remember his name, but anyways. So um, the point is, uh, designated liar, <laughs> Fed McKenzie. <laughs> and it was very interesting to see what was going on yesterday. Watch War Campaign, and again watch it knowing that they probably don't like me. I'm not looking to be liked. Uh, I think they did uh, very good work, and um, you know when they're wrong on stuff, I'll just ignore it. And but when they're good on stuff, I'll and listen. I don't watch every episode i'm just so busy but somebody sent it to me yesterday and i try to watch them when i can just because at least there's there's a couple of groups that are trying to get to the truth war campaign is one of them diverge media with greg staley that's another one watch those two and i think over time uh you and share their links share war campaign share diverge media's articles with as many people as possible and watch to see how many people slip into the seven signs of cognitive dissonance and don't get upset it's not you it's just human behavior that's how we 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 see something that challenges our preconceived ideas and we react negatively let them react don't take it personally and engage or don't engage whatever you want Uh, the coward lawyer now you know he isn't uh practicing yeah um jesse there is some truth to that for sure i don't understand i i don't want to do the seven signs of cognitive distance number three i don't want to engage in mind reading but we do know there was that whole stakeholder meeting where everybody was giving the talking points and how they'll talk about freedom convoy and uh, maybe some people are stakeholders and we don't know about i have a question do you think if somebody was in that meeting and is in alternative media or media, and they are a stakeholder of political convoy, Freedom Corp or whatever it's called, do you think they should disclose that publicly? Like, do you think it's unethical if they don't tell you? Like if they went into a strategy meeting with political convoy uh, to to figure out how they're gonna lie to all of you about um, the circumstances around uh, Freedom Convoy. Do you think they should disclose that? Do you think they have a moral obligation to do that? What do you think? I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the United States. <laughs> Some of this is tangentially related, so I think you're going to like this. Uh, you may not like this take. Uh, Devin Archer's interview with Tucker Carlson. Did you uh, did you watch that? I watched half half of it. And... Yeah, watched about half of it when I was just uh, well, little watched, listened to it. You know, I put on the dash and shut the screen off and listened to it. Uh, so Devin Archer interviewed Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden's former uh, business partner, on uh, involved in Brisbane and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I learned, I learned something. Uh, I learned <laughs> learned a lot watching it. Just half of it, I learned, which is the The worst argument against hunter bar hunter hunter Biden and some of you are gonna slip into this continent of dissonance that I'm defending hunter Biden i'm not um I'm really concerned about some of those pictures that were on the laptop you know with the with the nine year old girls that's not really or younger that was really really disturbing but anyways um what I did learn is the worst argument against Hunter Biden is to say he had no energy experience. Why was he on the board of Burisma? I think people need to stop saying that. That that works against us. Have, ever, have any of you, have you ever been on a board? Have you ever been asked to be on a board? I'm, I'm sure many of you have in your community uh, or in business. Do you know how people get on boards? Simple. Somebody on the board says, hey, do you want to be on the board? That's it. That's that's how it works. That's how it works. Even, you know, municipal governments, yeah, they put this um they put this fake veil around it that oh, we're going to put it out for members of the community to join below. No, that's not how it works. People are just no people on the board and they get them on the board. Uh, that's that's just how the system works. How business works. Uh that's how all of this works. And by that metric, by that metric, Hunter Biden is this is where you're going to get upset at me, extremely qualified to be on the board of Burisma. That's what I learned watching him with Tucker Carlson. And this is why. From what I understand, he's a lawyer. But more importantly, Hunter Biden had been working within uh, different lobby firms or working as a lobbyist for a couple of decades already. Uh, and has all the contacts he needs in Washington. He's the perfect person to have on your board. And, you know, this whole art thing that he's doing, whether you think it's ethical or not, and I don't, because it does look like money laundering, it's really smart. He's not dumb. Uh, Joe Biden's probably right when he says, Hunter Biden's a really smart guy does look like it it does look listen if he was working in lobbying for a couple of decades and has all the contacts in all the law firms all the contacts he needs in Washington any business would dream of having somebody with that kind of access on their board even with all the the drug and crack and all that sort of stuff right like it's that's just the way That system works. So I think it's the worst argument to say he has no energy experience. You know how many people have uh, experience in the industry that they get onto boards? Maybe 10% of them have experience in that industry direct. You don't need to. It's a board. You have an executive and a CEO and a staff that are running the company, an executive team. They'll tell you as a board member you're there to hold director liability for the company. You're the board of directors. You defer to the executives and get the executives to advise you of the state of the company, right? That's how it works. So yeah, I think people should abandon that. Not to say there's not problems. There's not problems. I'm not saying that. Uh, But I just think that's the worst argument to say he has no experience to be on the board. Uh, He sounds like a dream candidate to be on the board and that's probably why they were chasing him for so long um yeah jesse says you don't get away with all that crap he has if you aren't smart yeah exactly he's uh it's like somebody told me many many years ago when you go into like i talked about this once before if you go into uh, a meeting a political meeting this happens a lot a political get-together business meeting whatever it is uh, a charity event whatever The person in the nicest suit, who's the most charismatic, that everybody likes, that nobody can say anything bad against, that's your narco, that's your mafia, that's your bad guy, that's the corrupt one, that's the guy running the pedophile network. Like, that's how this works. The most charismatic and most likable criminal is the one who's successful. And by the way, I'm not saying... Uh, Hunter Biden is a criminal and actually it's looking like he might not and that guy Devin Archer um, is really good he's really good at capturing an audience and getting people on board with him, you could tell uh, Tucker probably disagreed with him uh, on many of the points that he said and completely disagrees with him on politics and Tucker liked him really liked him you can tell he really liked him all right. Um, two more things. One is, what do you want to talk about? The Canadian election that's going to come, um, or or Trump and Ukraine. Well, let's go Trump and Ukraine first. Trump, Ukraine, and uh, and Russia. So um, it's it's very interesting. Remember, Trump made that whole statement. all will end. Uh, I'll end Russia in 24 hours, and we we all heard that. That's and many people scoffed at it, right? If you notice, there's not really much going on in Russia, and it. I think it it comes down to one thing, um, and you've heard this from other commentators online that they're all waiting for Trump to get into office to end the the pro-Trump uh, pundits are saying. They're waiting for Trump to get into office, so uh, he can end it. And some people think that doesn't make sense. How that doesn't make sense at all. How does that work? It does make complete sense. The number one thing, in my experience, that all politicians seek out, and I think they would privately admit this because perception is so important in politics. The number one they all number one think they all uh, jump towards is plausible deniability. Everybody in the political circles work that to the point that it gets obnoxious and it gets obstruction, it becomes an obstruction to achieving anything. I've been in some of those meetings before and with some other people, another friend of mine who's a small business guy. And in small business, you've got to make decisions uh, usually right away or fairly quickly, right? You can't sit around and defer and build up a bureaucracy and all that sort of stuff. But in politics, anytime there's a difficult question to be answered or just somebody has to make a decision, it's always plausible deniability. It's always, that's a great idea. We should form a subcommittee to look into that and come up with a perspective on it. And I remember being in a, some with a friend of mine like, "There's four people here. We don't need a subcommittee around, we don't need a subcommittee around four people. Just make the decision, right? No, 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 but we should you know reevaluate, looks at the pros and cons. It's because they're all seeking plausible deniability all the time. You know another time you hear that is when you're unhappy with let's say uh, i don't know you're unhappy with the provincial conservatives." And you call or talk to or reach out to somebody in the federal conservatives and you say, uh, I'm really pissed off at Doug Ford. What do they do? Oh, well, that's the provincial party. That has nothing to do with us. Bullshit. It's the same revolving people of the same door who move the same revolving door, the same people who keep moving in and out from federal to provincial, federal, provincial, federal, provincial. The Liberal Party does the same thing. Oh, that's the federal Liberal Party, not the provincial. No, 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 no. You're all the same people. But why do they do that? Again, plausible deniability, right? Because politics is all about uh, perception. And this is the perfect example, because you now see it. That's right, too many cooks in in the kitchen, Jesse. And that's intentional. But this is the perfect example of how politicians seek plausible deniability even on the world stage, right? Because I don't think it's any secret. Russia has realized it's over. We, we're we going to stop now. And the Ukraine has realized we're not going to get... It's over for us as well. We're not going anywhere. There's no going not going to be any, what they call a strategic strike or whatever. It's done. But neither of them can admit it, or they lose credibility to their... Um, to to their uh, their base, their citizens, their country. None of them can be the one to throw in the towel. The first person to throw in the towel loses, right? Okay, so what do you do? Well, you need our friend, plausible deniability. And what's plausible deniability? Trump. Trump. Trump gets in the office, and he postures as, okay, I'm going in and I'm putting an end to Russia and the Ukraine, and both Vladimir Putin and Vladimir, is it Vladimir Zelensky? Whatever his name is. Uh, both of them can say, you know, we wanted to do more, but Trump came in and he gave us an offer that it's the best thing for us. It's a win-win for us. So I'm doing everything I can for you, uh, we were fighting the entire thing. Nobody would, you know, we, we weren't We were striding. We were winning. We were going dis- we to beat the Russians or we were going to beat the Ukrainians, whatever the rhetoric's going to be. But the, the Americans and Trump came along and they brought us something that gave us the win. Plausible deniability. That is what every politician sees or seeks. Sorry, seeks. All right, the last thing, um, too many, I'm just reading through your comments. Uh, I thought the same thing, all about connections. Yeah, listen, Jesse, life is all about connections sometimes, just the way it is. All right, you want to talk about the Canadian election? Does, does everybody think it's time for Trudeau to go? <laughs> does everybody think if Pierre Polyev gets into office that all our troubles are going to go away? No, you're all too smart for that. Doesn't mean things won't hopefully improve. But as I said many times, if you think this culture war that's been going on now for generations and has hit a peak is going to end with just one person getting into office, that's not how life works. That's not how the universe works. But uh, if Trudeau is gone, it's more important not who gets... It's just important that Trudeau is out, Right? Uh, that that might help with the momentum uh, to push back as long as the Conservatives don't shoot themselves in the foot and go too far in the other direction, which is exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> That's exactly what they're going to You can already see it online, the rhetoric on the Conservative side from um, Conservative pundits and stuff who are just going too far, right? As many of you who are watching who are women... How many of you have been annoyed with some of the rhetoric you're seeing about how women should be uh, at home with their families and whatever? I'm not saying you shouldn't make that decision and want to do that. I believe women should do whatever the hell they want, whatever they want. It's up to them. It's between her and her spouse. They decide how to live their lives, not for the the rest of us to make moral judgments around how people live. And that's why maybe I'm more libertarian. But you can see, I'm sure some of you can see, that there's there's a swing going a little too far with some punditry on the conservative side. Um, at least Jacinda and Boris stepped down. Trudeau, Trudeau never will. Yeah, well, Trudeau may not have a choice, right? And I think that's a step in the right direction. And we're never going to get, you know, our politicians in Canada are really horrible. They're just really awful uh, all of them. It's <laughs> just not a place where we have well seasoned, well argued, well persuasive politicians. Um, I think uh, Pierre Polyev is living, is capitalizing on making Trudeau look like the dumbass that he is around the whole we scandal. But are we seeing more of that, or did it just stop there and now the. Um, the party machine is uh, is taken over and going to turn them into the next Andrew Shearer and Aaron O'Toole. Guess what? I happen to know on the inside that's exactly what they're doing. They're really running a risk of losing the next election if they utilize the exact same strategy that they did with Andrew Shearer and Aaron O'Toole, which is exactly what they're doing. (laughs) So... We'll see uh, we'll see what it is. Um, Jesse says Gen, A- Gen X makes everything about aesthetics and not policy. Hey, hey, I'm Gen X, <laughs> yeah, I don't know and that's the other thing the generalizations of people listen, some of the smartest people I've ever met, especially in the the Bitcoin space uh, and the programming space, whatever, Many of them are Gen Z. And they're just brilliant, you know, yeah, there's woke nonsense, but just I would say the majority that don't buy into that nonsense. And some of them are really, really bright. They're just quiet because they don't want to be harassed, right? Like most people. People in your neighborhoods who know all this woke nonsense has gone too far. uh, But they're not going to say it publicly. Why? Because they have other things in their lives. Their kids, their families, their jobs, their mortgage. Like, they're they're not looking to get harassed. That's what political leaders are supposed to be doing, right? But anyways. So, there apparently is a leaked audio... That Trudeau is going to dissolve Parliament on Sunday and will be headed into an election. What do you think? Do you think that's true? Do you think it's true that there's a leaked, a convenient leaked audio that Trudeau said we're going into a general election? I haven't talked about filters yet. I'm going to talk about, so I won't do that now. But there's some good filters to put on that, right? Leaked or intentionally leaked, that might be, or maybe it's completely fake. Maybe it's completely false. Maybe it's just playing up the base to try to rally the base to get ready. Now I do know there are some RFPs that have been put out to tender. Tender that would relate to the vaccine, and you start to think about it, like how would um, Captain Blackface? Uh, how would he be able to grow his government? in the next election given all the nonsense that is, I mean, he's a joke all over the planet. He's a complete joke. So how would he get reelected? Well, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I can think of them trying for a strategy, tell me if you, this is my theory, that if they're going to call an election, this would be their strategy. Their strategy would be there's a new scary disease. There's a new COVID variant, or there's a new COVID type virus. We don't know what it is, right? Um, and we did such a good job protecting Canadians with the rollout of the Cervasus Sickness Medicine. I gotta remember, I have broadcasting to YouTube and Facebook that there's a Cervasus Sickness, uh, the Cervasus Sickness Medicine that we rolled out. It protected X number of Canadians. We saved your lives. But the Conservatives, the Conservatives put you and your family at risk. We're not going to let that happen this time. We already have, look, the CD, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're saying there's another scary virus coming. We shall mask up. And you know what? We're going to do everything we can to protect you just like we did during their cerveza sickness. What do you think? How do you think that would play to the liberal base in Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, whatever, in the the kind of the woke areas? It's pretty good, isn't it? It would work. Now, would the Conservatives screw up the messaging against that? Of course, (laughs) of course. (laughs) They'll absolutely screw it up, absolutely, right? Because what they'll do is Trudeau, and this was always my uh, push and pull within people in the Conservative Party, but, you know, it's a cult, like all political parties, not just the Conservatives. So nobody will take any action. Everybody just follows the leader sort of thing. Um, And so this is not my first rodeo with them. What they'll do, what they always do, is they're going to enter the Trudeau frame. So the Trudeau frame would be, there's a scary virus, there was a scary virus, we protected you. The conservative frame is going to be, what's it going to be? No, he's lying, it wasn't scary, it wasn't this. And what have they just done when they do that? They've jumped into Trudeau's frame. So now Trudeau has the momentum because he owns the narrative. They jumped into Trudeau's narrative. And then it's going to become, he said, she said. Who wins a he said, she said argument? No one ever. No one is ever persuaded by a he said, she said argument. That's why uh, Creepy Wilson, when he just comes out and lies uh, about the most obvious things that are complete lies, and anybody, everybody sees it, it doesn't matter. Because his strategy is to de- is to um, uh, devolve it into a simple he said she said argument and that means no one will ever be persuaded what should the conservatives do what do you think i know what they should do but do you think am i on to something does that sound like the conservative messaging the liberals make a claim and the conservatives jump right into their narrative and start arguing the narrative and the, the false premises that Trudeau, the Trudeau team has built. The conservatives take the bait every time. And they had people like myself in that party trying to guide them away from it. But they know everything, right? Which is why they can't, well, they've they got, what, one majority government in the history of the party since it's rebranding? Since that's uh, uh, amalgamation, what was it, 12 years ago now, 14 years ago, right? Okay. Uh, Nazi says it's uh, for your safety too. Yeah, Jennifer, of course, it's always for your safety. That's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be about, I'm Justin Trudeau, I'm flawed, I made a mis- I've made lots of mistakes, um, I'm now divorced, I've lost my family. I love my kids but my kids are staying with me so i must be a good dad and as a good dad you know what i did i was dad to the country i protected you and your families and i'm never going to put you at risk ever again and that's why if we have another uh scenario i will do even better than i did last time and we were the template for all of Canada, for all of the world. They they all followed what I did. You know, he'll just make up stuff, right? Well, he won't make it up. The people will tell him what to do. And the conservative rhetoric will be no, Justin Trudeau's lying. The minute you see the digicom from the conservatives come out and say, no, Justin Trudeau is lying, they just lost the election. So, They'll try to use as much social proof as possible. That's not going to help. Social proof doesn't help uh, for voting like it does building a YouTube audience or something, right? The need, uh, Jeff says the cons need to stand on what they are running and ignore the rhetoric. I mean, rhetoric is part of it, but um, yeah, I guess. Bread, uh, Jennifer says bread and circuses. Yeah, that's true. So what do you think they should do? We're going to do a little homework for those of you who watch. For those of you who are interested. um, A little messaging lesson. Tell me what you think. If that becomes, and I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And no, nobody has leaked this to me or told me. But it's just the most obvious play for Trudeau. And it would be effective. What do you think the rebuttal from the conservatives should be? Think about it for a couple of days. I'm going to be, I think, on the road tomorrow. Uh, I'm waiting to find out. I'll be doing another stream. I got some stuff going on this weekend, too. So, uh, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Maybe I'll do one on the road uh, when I'm out, because I'll be in probably a hotel or something. But think about it. Uh, this Because I want you to see flaws in how the conservatives... Uh, try to win and always lose elections. They won't listen to me. I've told them repeatedly, and I was right every time. I'll give you an example. Do you have an example? Did I talk about this on the stream? No, I think it was in a Twitter space. When I was a candidate for the Conservative Party, it was the election that Justin Trudeau Trudeau ran. And in my riding, I was asked for a favor, begged and pleaded for a favor from me, so I said, okay, I'll do it and I managed to take our woke riding, which is very, very woke, from we were at 4% polling when I stepped in, and we finished off at 10%. So I managed to get us in that short period of time an additional six points. And what they do is campaign headquarters sends out uh, the digital lit, uh, the, the literature that you're supposed to use, knocking on doors, and all that stuff, and give them to people. And do you remember what the slogan for the Conservative Party was? It was, God, it's so cringy even to say, from a a psychological persuasion and marketing perspective, it's just so, first-year marketing student would laugh at this. It was, he's just not ready. (laughs) I saw that cave in. And I was one of the, one of the volunteers, the, ca- or the campaign manager, one of the, somebody on the team showed it to me like, yeah, we got the lit. And they opened up the screen. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's the lit? Uh, he's just not ready. And I said, yeah, we won't be using that. <laughs> so he, took it, he threw it all out. He threw it all out. I think we, took, we kept one, um, a back of one of the lit pieces that didn't say he's just not ready. I think it was uh, the policy stuff. And I designed all my own lit. Which, by the way, I'm not supposed to do. But I'm not in part of a cult. And when I see nothing but incompetence on top of me, I'm going to ignore it. And I'm going to do it the right way. And I can't remember what we cited on. Um, Something positive, generic, all that sort of stuff. But I'll see if I can find it somewhere. I have it somewhere in my archives. But the reason he's just not ready is the biggest fuck-up in Canadian political history. I'm sorry, that's the only way to describe it. Pardon my, my bad language, my naughty language. <laughs> but that is the most egregious incompetence that you could ever see politically. Why? Because when you sell a message to somebody, you're speaking to their subconscious. And the subconscious is very literal. And it also cannot invert... Uh, a negative message, right? So it cannot, it cannot absorb. He's just not ready, and then do the next deviation of critical thinking. This is in the subconscious, to then see it. So when you speak to somebody's subconscious, and you say Justin Trudeau, he's just not ready. What the person's subconscious is doing? Is painting a visual, imagining Justin Trudeau as prime minister. Yes, the incompetence of the Conservative Party got Trudeau elected. That's exactly what it is. He's just not ready. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It better just go Stephen Harper. We are the future, right? Stephen Harper, you're. We saved you in two thousand and eight. And we're going to save you in the next crisis. Something positive. Something with a vision. By the way, I've given you a hint. But no, he's just not ready. The worst is so bad. And I do have some friends in marketing in the U.S. And I sent it to a friend and said, what do you think of this? And she's like, oh, my God, who did this? Is this a joke? I'm like, no, this is a real campaign. No. I'm like, yeah, that's a real marketing campaign. So there you go. But nobody listens to the, the maverick rabble rouser who might set them off on a positive path. Can you imagine why they lost their minds when they saw me at the Freedom Convoy? Because I never told them I'm a trucker. I never told them I bought a truck and was going on the road. Like It's, it's no one's business. It's no one's business what I do with my life. You know, like uh, Sergio Marchionne, somebody I quite admired, said, I have a private life and it's private. Right? And that's part of it. Uh, I like I like Leslie Lewis she's smart same with barber really have you ever spoken to Leslie Lewis I mean I, I like Leslie but uh, there are people who will just do what they're told and say what they're told right uh, and uh, barber we all know him in my community from before politics you might think differently if you knew him but uh, whatever I'm not casting dispersions I'm just we have horrible politicians in this country and uh, it's by design we don't um, we don't have people who lead because they don't want leadership they want sales who will do what they're told and read their talking points that's it and those of us who don't do that and want to give a positive uh, vision of the future for everybody they get cast aside right but you know Personally, I never really had a love of politics. I got involved because I thought I could just help and contribute. Well, what a mistake that was. (laughs) It's the Uniparty machine, and uh, it's the way it operates. So what are you going to do? Jennifer, that's too bad. Can't trust anybody. Well, listen, there's that famous quote from uh, Truman. If you want a friend in Washington, buy a dog. Well, that is so true in politics all over the world. And if you want to know how politics works, watch House of Cards. And there's so much, whoever put together that show knew exactly, exactly how politics works. It's really quite creepy on the inside. And that's why it's good to be away from it. Uh, vote Rocky for Prime Minister. He is, uh, he is the leader of the Avian Party of Canada. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Maybe I will, write. You know, I'm not going to vote in the next election, and I'm doing that because I don't want people... Because I'm going to talk about this as we get into election season. I'm going to talk about the candidates. I'm going to try to give you the best and worst arguments for every candidate, including the ones I don't like, um, just as a a mental exercise. And because of that, uh, I'm not going to vote. I don't want anybody to accuse me of being a shill or whatever. I'll just give you kind of you know my perspective. You give me yours. We'll talk about it here together. Maybe it'll help some of you to come to a conclusion on who to vote for if you're undecided or you know you have an option and you're not sure which way to go. Uh, because remember, at the end of the day, they're just targeting the swing voters. If you're if you're not a swing voter, you're already factored into the equation. So going out and saying you know I'm voting for the same party I voted for for 30 years. That's not going to change anything, right? It's the swing voters that they're all looking for, and uh, so we'll talk about it from a swing voter perspective. Okay, so uh, gone over by 15 minutes. That's way too long. Uh, <laughs> I hope that was the best Tuesday, Tuesday, August uh, 8th of 2023 of your life. I don't know. I hope that was interesting, and informative. I love all of you who come here and who share your perspectives. Uh, if you're not in the Discord, please come join the Discord. Uh, send me um, a message over Twitter. I guess Facebook because I'm amalgamating Facebook pages because I know some people use it. And obviously we're doing this on the National Telegraph as well. Those guys are great. So send me a message if you want to join the Discord. There is a Bitcoin uh, room. There is a Freedom Convoy room. There is you know, politics and uh, media space. and We're sharing stuff. We're trying to keep it. Not too big, because we don't want to get into vitriol. We want to have a a space that people are just not going to have conflict every time they go in there. And so if you want to join, Jessie's in there all the time. And she can tell you what it's like. And Rocky. Rocky is in there quite frequently. I love you all. Be safe and have an amazing day. Peace, love, hope, and freedom. Life is going to get better. It's just going to take time. All right, I love you all.